It's time for the Ron and Brian podcast. Get ready to fill your ears with the latest news, politics, current events, and whatever else we feel like talking about this week. And now, your hosts, Ron and Brian. All right. Good evening, everybody. It is Sunday night. It's eight o'clock and it is time for episode 263 of the Ron and Brian podcast. I am Ron, joined uh, by one of the few passengers of the submersible called my heart, Brian. Brian, how are you this evening, my friend? You know, I'm going to say um, emotionally spent. Okay. That is how it's, this has been, um, this has been a week where I feel like I, I, we missed out not doing an episode every night. I feel that there was enough going on in the world this past week that we would have clearly had a, an hour of content every night this week. It was, it was a roller coaster of news stories. Um, not just submersible stories, a lot of news out there. Um, so I guess the only thing to do is to just dive right into things with Drink of the Week. Drink of the Week. Nazdrovia. Salud. Drink of the Week. Trancher. Drink of the Week. Drink of the Week. Drink of the Week. Brian. Yeah? What did you bring to drink this week, my friend? Oof. Listen, I felt like this was the kind of week where um, no amount of beer was going to properly um, show homage to the people that um, we're going to be talking about in the next hour. And there was only one thing that I could do, and that was to crack open my box of Macallan Quest 12-year scotch single malt whiskey. It looks like this in the bottle. Mm. But first off, let me tell you a little about about it, Ron. Please do. The Macallan Quest, it pays homage to the entirety of the journey taken by the Macallan to source the best oak across over 20,000 miles, concluding with the selection of four different but complementary casks to deliver a single malt whiskey that creates a genuine expectation of further exploration and enjoyment. And you may say to yourself, come on, Brian, it's just a... A whiskey, how can it speak so full of life and the experience? American bourbon casks are combined with hand-picked sherry-seasoned European and American oak casks and hogsheads to deliver a character of fresh flavors of citrus fruits and sweet vanilla oak. Depicting a blue sky, Quest represents the start of a journey where the world is a canvas and the sky is the limit and it's going in my belly. So what we are looking at is the color is a pale gold. The nose, soft citrus fruits, rounded apple and lemon, vanilla sweetness and subtle oak. The palate will be apple mixed with ginger and dried fruits, but the finish will be of great length. It will be soft, light fruit, medium sweet, coming in, packing at a 40% ABV. Why is my head shaking like Harry Carey? Hey, I don't know. Anywho, the nose is Jewish. Wow, that's really anti-Semitic, you know. I love that. Nose is Jewish. My drink of the week, the Macallan Quest. Listen, it is it is always uh something special when you uh when you break open your box. 
So I am uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what you think of this. Mm, oh, it's so good. Oh, it's good. I have not had. <laughs> um, oh, I can just literally right now it right in this general area. It's just warmth. It is warmth radiating through my body. Um, it's going to be a crazy after dark. I'm going to be slurring. Um, nice. I'll be breathing whiskey breath into my girlfriend's uh, uh, neck as I fall asleep tonight. Nice. It's going to be a beautiful world. All beautiful, right. Beautiful world. Ron. Yes, sir. Ron, what are you drinking? Uh, so I went uh, I went local again this week. Uh, dug into the uh, dug into the beer cabinet and uh, pulled out something from our friends at Workhouse Brewing Company out of King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. We have had a few of these on Drink of the Week prior. This just happens to be their American Pilsner. And Brian, their mission, simply put, is to make sure your beer is made right. We take a no-nonsense approach to classic beer styles that are broadly appealing and consistently delicious. So clocking in at 5.2%, it's crisp, it's floral, it's spicy, it's their American Pilsner. And it's got, it's a beautiful looking beer. I mean, that's how I want my Pilsners to look. Let's take a sip here. It's cloudy for a Pilsner. Oh, but it's so good, Brian. Talk to me. It's crisp. It's floral. Uh, it's it's crushable, extremely crushable, as we know. It, it, we like our beers that way. Uh, but good stuff, nonetheless. Um, how many of these do you have on hand? You say that they are crushable. We've got a long night ahead of us. Um, Allie making a reference that it is going to be a three-hour after dark, people. We've got after dark. Um, how many of these uh, uh, beers do you have lined up? Um, I mean, I have many beers, many beers, Jerry, many beers. in the in the beer fridge. I only actually had one of the American Pilsner left, so I'll just have okay. to I'll have to switch it up. All righty, I think uh, I think it's going to be a doozy. <laughs> Certainly is. Uh, up next, doozy. it's beef of the week. Ron and Brian's beef of the week. Brian, what's bothering you this week? Okay, Ron, uh, what's bothering me? Uh, we're going to talk about when fast food does not deliver all the items that you have ordered. Okay. Is it fast food specifically or is it a delivery system like DoorDash or? Oh, no, no, no. This right. is um, placing an order online. I'll, I'll tell the story. Sure. Um, on Friday, uh, my boss sat there, pulled me aside in the office and said, hey, I've got a great idea. We've got, uh, you know, some people in the office. And uh, why don't we order lunch for the office? Very nice gesture of, of him. What to a do. great idea. Yeah. And then I immediately looked around and I realized that he was just staring at me and he what, <laughs> which meant that he was nominating me to place this order, pick up the order and bring back. You were voluntold to uh, make this happen. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I confirmed that with him verbally. Okay. I, I wasn't I wasn't going to take on that responsibility without it being um uh, you know, verbally confirmed that this was something I was supposed to be doing. So uh, we ordered, um, placed the order online from a local fast food um, place that specializes in chicken. Okay. Various chicken nuggets, 
chicken um, tenders, I guess you okay. would call them, chicken sandwiches of different types. Um, would, uh, would, would, would June be a month that this restaurant does not necessarily favor for some reason? Possible. Okay. Possible. Um, but the thing, uh, so I went around the office getting everybody's order. Um, uh, basically, people ask for certain types of sauces. I said, absolutely, don't worry about it. We are going to get plenty of the signature sauce that this establishment is known for. Um, no, no, Janelle, I will not mention their name. I will not. They do. They have not deserved it. So, um, uh, unfortunately, on with uh, with this place, when you're there in person. The very rare times I'm there, I um, usually can just say when placing your order, oh, just give me a couple of these and a couple of those when it comes to the sauces. Right. And they're very good with it. Very generous. Very generous. Mm. When you're ordering online, you have to open up each individual item and Ooh. add the different sauces you want for each item. You can't just say at the bottom, give me 10 of these, right. two of these, four of those. No, no, no. You have to open up. So well, each of order of each order of fries, each order of nuggets, each order of sandwiches. I'm sitting there, you know, I think you can get two sauces with each order. Gotcha. So it took me a while. Walk to the um uh, establishment on Fulton. Um uh, picked up my order. Uh, the woman said, Oh, you can make sure, you know, everything's in there. I was like, hey, I trust you. You are um, spreading the gospel. Um, also, the bag was just so packed that there was no way that I was going to sit there, open it up, and look at each item. It's right. Like, it, was, it, was, it didn't make sense. When I get back to the office and I open it up, there were no sauces. Mm. To say that I went from being popular, hey, bro. <laughs> Brian's here with lunch. He's in the conference room. Everybody go get your lunch to we have no sauces and you'll have to eat your chicken nuggets dry because Brian didn't bring back the nuggets. Brian didn't I took the, the bag. Heat. Yeah. I took the heat for that one, but it is the food establishment's responsibility to deliver the things that I ordered. They failed. That is my beef of the week. Uh, you know, I, I understand. I mean, would you say that you shoulder a portion of responsibility for not checking the bag for sauces prior to departing? Okay. I would say that if I had ordered one item, two items, okay. I would say that it would have been reasonable for me to open up the large bag, zzz, right. plural, to go through them and make sure that they had what I had ordered. I was dealing with three large bags of items. It did not, um, it was unfeasible for me to open it up and make sure that everything was in there, including sauces. Understood. I'll, I'll give you that. And again, if you're placing that large of an order, and usually Chick-fil-A, uh, the, the place the potentially that you went to, <laughs> um, their, their customer Matt, service. Matt, Matt, edit that out. Um, please, Ron, start again. Let's, let's just go yeah. back. I'll count you in. Three, two, one. Thank you. Uh, normally, that chicken restaurant that you went to, uh, very good customer service. Agreed. You know, had I ordered from a McDonald's or a Burger King, I would have been in. I would have stood there as they were packing to um, count the items as they were going in. But this place has. This was the first and and last time that they have let me down. Understandable, my friend. Understandable. It hurt, Ron. Yes. What's bugging you? Um, 
you know, it's it's something that has uh, it's it's raised its ugly head on the show before, Brian. But my beef this week is uh, intellectual property theft. Um, as we all know, uh, we are currently in the midst of hot podcaster summer. Hot podcaster summer. Uh, this is something. This is this is is this our third year doing hot podcaster summer? Hot podcaster summer. Well, this is 2023. I know we did um in 2022. I know we did hot podcaster summer. Hot podcaster summer. And we definitely in 2021 did hot podcaster summer. Hot podcaster summer. And I remember the day in 2020, we were all wearing masks. There were refrigerated trucks filled with body bags, filled with uh, with forklifts bringing the bodies out. Yes, I remember. Yes, but it was a different time on the Ryan and Brian podcast because it was our inaugural Hot Podcaster Summer. Hot Podcaster Summer. So uh, we are again in the midst of this. And what do I receive from, uh, I receive an email from Cameo, the website Cameo. We all love Cameo. Love Cameo. Use Cameo. Friends of the podcast sure. as use Cameo. And and what is that email entitled? But it is entitled Hot Cameo Summer. Just a cheap ripoff of Hot yeah. Podcaster Summer. Hot Podcaster Summer. So uh, we have uh, we have had our uh, our legal team send over a cease and desist. Um, we are still waiting to hear back, but uh, it's just it's tiresome to to see um, our content continuously what? stolen and used in other mediums. Brian, uh, question: Did we use our in-house counsel, William Esquire, to? Um... Um, he uh, he he recused himself because of how big a fan he is of Hot Podcaster Summer. Hot Podcaster Summer. Um, so he felt um, that there might be a conflict of interest. So was that letter written by our in-house legal team of Matt Beaker, uh, um, Esquire? Um, so Matt found somebody who he said um, had a legal background. So we'll see okay. how effective that was. It wasn't Troy McClure by any chance, was it? <laughs> it was uh, Lionel Hutz, I believe. That's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Wrong Simpsons reference, Brian. I'm very disappointed. I'm lucky that I remembered it. All right. Well, let's uh, obviously uh, everybody is talking about, well, they're talking about the Brian stickers, which went out to our Patreon folks. Brian stickers are currently sold out, people. That is how popular they were. Um, so we are working on another order. I have also received word from one of my manufacturers that uh, another piece of test merch has been mailed out to me. So hopefully I will have it in time for next week's show. Very excited about this. <clears throat> but we obviously wanted to talk about the entire uh, Titan sub uh, situation that unfolded over the past week. We talked about it. We broadcasted last Monday night um, and we, we talked about it. And Brian... I don't know about you, but I've learned a lot over the last week. I've learned about uh, water density. I've learned about sure. uh, GPS. I've learned about uh, tensile strength and compressive strength. Sure. Um, I've uh, shockingly learned that Blink-182 apparently still tours. 
Um, but I think the biggest thing that I have learned is the bulk of the population hates billionaires. I believe, yeah. I, 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 if I can tag on top of what you just said, of course, the, please. The thing for me about this past week was the, um, the, the true crowning um, ascension of TikTok as the social media um, pioneer. Right. In terms of real time, not just um, uh, uh, memes, not just entertainment, humor. Right. Um, first off, t- uh, you know, it is uh, really a great place of dark humor where you are not seeing um, uh, the same uh, uh, types of humor that you're getting on uh, Instagram this past week, Facebook. Facebook is still offering me content of people going out for dinner. Um, whereas when I click on TikTok, it, it literally is people um, laughing about how the orcas were able to um, <laughs> uh, feed themselves five guys this week without having to eat any hamburgers. Um, like TikTok truly um, uh, shined this week um, as the the go-to place for social media. And, you know, as you were saying, the, the, the amount of content that it was delivering of you know, just people, just it, it having a moment of just glee, at, you know, at the idea that there was a submersible that was lost in the water. This is prior, you know, prior to, um, you know, the 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 later, you know, just utter joy, that, you know, um, that um, the, all these people perished. But it was just, you know, how fast this this content was delivered, how oh, yeah. smart, how. Um, uh, uh, ingenious, a lot of it was. Um, this was the week to me that TikTok really, um, uh, you know, took first place. I mean, my my for you page at one point was just constant sub talk, just mm-hmm. one after the other. Yes. Uh, and again, some of it was news related, some of it yeah. was you know memes, and some of it was just really dark shit. One of the ones I liked, and you're talking about, you know, like Facebook and Instagram. Like one of the TikToks talked about how in five years, uh, people who watch Instagram reels are going to be shocked to find out about this. Like, and it's true. Like, it's just, it's like TikTok is where I think people go now for that kind of instantaneous um, pop culture slash news buzz. Sure. I mean, there are genuine accounts there where it is just your average person who is um, broadcasting. they are broadcasting all, you know, their own version of the news. Um, you know, obviously everything should be taken with a grain of salt, but the level of research that you can see in some of these accounts is um, just wild. Yeah. And also, uh, who knew James Cameron? Apparently an underwater uh, sea expert as well. I know. I know. It was wild. Um, and yet apparently um, – you know, he is, uh, you know, he's been down to the Titanic. Uh, what is it? Oh, about about 30 times, I think they said. I, yeah, about 30 times this guy's been down there. Obviously, um, you know, uh, he was quite vocal about his um, skepticism um, regarding the Titan and Ocean Gate Expedition's um, efforts in going down to uh, the, the the Titanic Um just listening to him, uh, you know, you sat there and you immediately were like, you know, he would have found a way 
for um for for for, for Leonardo to 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 not drown. <laughs> he would have found, James Cameron would have found a way for Leonardo to get on that door. You think so? Yes. Jack, not now, Jack. <laughs> so we did. We already talked last week about how neither of us would. Forget the the Titan submersible. I don't know that any of us would have gone in any kind of vehicle down to the wreckage of the Titanic. Like I just don't have that kind of of uh, risk wish. But, but after you, hold, on, reading, hold on, let me ask you a question. But yeah. do you ha- do you have the desire to? Um, not really. No. I am fascinated at the concept of getting into something, and I mean, don't get me wrong. The amount of anxiety, panic. Um, uh, claustrophobia would ca- the, the level of it would 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 be um, uh, just anxiety inducing. Just and that's right. even I mean, but just the idea of being able to go down there and to actually see the remains of the Titanic, I would absolutely love to do it. However, I don't believe that um, I would be willing to risk my safety with the level of technology that they are currently using. I would rather, you know, other people be the, you know, quote unquote, the, the guinea pigs to try out these systems until it has been established that it's fairly safe. And then I'll give it a shot. Well, and uh, TMZ managed to get a hold of the waiver, the three page waiver that everybody mm-hmm. going on the submersible will have to sign. And it hits you right away on page one. Uh, number two, a portion of the operation will be conducted inside an experimental submersible vessel. The experimental submersible vessel has not been approved or certified by any regulatory body and may be constructed of materials that have not been widely used in human occupied submersibles. Ooh, that's rough. And then uh, number three uh, just happens to say uh, is in there could cause severe injury or death. And number four, uh, it says I could be exposed to property damage, injury, disability or death. And then number five, uh, there are other things that could lead to property damage, injury, disability and death. And then finally, I acknowledge that all travel in and around the water of vessels of any type, including submersibles, entails both known and unanticipated risks that could result in physical injury, disability, emotional trauma, death, harm to myself, or third parties, or damage to my property. Like reading that would scare like, me. You away. know, I'm, I'm, I, I think I'm, I think I'm going to pass. And but, but you've done some things in your life that have. Um you know, where you've had to sign some waivers to do? I have, but I, 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 I feel like I feel like the things that I've done were calculated risks. I don't know that you could call this a calculated risk because there were so many unknown variables about this thing. Again, because it wasn't safety checked by any of, of the organizations across the world that do that. It wasn't certified. It wasn't regulated. Um, it was experimental. Um, you know, carbon fibers in there. I feel like, you know, I've done some, 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 I don't want to say dangerous stuff, but I've done stuff where I've had to sign waivers. I didn't think it really put me in death's way. This obviously very much so put people in death's way. Just seeing what's down that low in the ocean is just sure. ridiculous. Like what I find utterly shocking is the, um, you know, listening to, you know, the uh, the the quote unquote oceanic experts 
um, talking about the the just and and I do not mean this as a cute pun, but the just the crushing pressure of the water at that depth of twelve thousand feet below um, the ocean, and yet you've got places like I believe it's the Mariana Trench, right, which is thirty thousand um, feet below the ocean sea, uh, and and we've and people have gone there. Yeah. I mean, you talk about the pressure, though. This is like some of the fascinating, um, you know, people always need to give you like, you know, relatable things. So like apparently the pressure at that level is similar to a polar bear standing full weight on a quarter. Like if the sub was a quarter, the 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 uh, the polar bear would be the weight of the water pressing in around the walls of that. Yikes. And all it would take would be a a a crack in the fiber, uh, the size of half the width of a human hair, to have that kind of catastrophic failure. Run that by me again. So all it would have half taken the width of a human hair, half the width of a human hair at that level of pressure. All it would have taken is a crack that minuscule um, for the hull to to basically, you know, implode. Okay, we need to rewind a bit because we're, <laughs> okay. we're, we're, we're jumping ahead to the actual implosion. Sorry, but my, I, my apologies. I, no, 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 you don't need to apologize. This is, you know, you're still 49% owner of this All show. Right. Thank you. Um, but it is just the, 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 the three days that were spent um, where everybody was focusing on this submersible that was, you know, they had a general idea where it was. It was going right. to be, you know, a, you know, near the, um, you know, where the Titanic had sank. But um, if they had lost communication, apparently the company waited eight hours to notify the U.S. Coast Guard that they had lost communication with the submersible. Right. Um, apparently that the, the technology on the submersible can we just call it the Titan? It's a lot sure. easier than saying the submersible. I don't like that word. I don't want to. I don't like saying that word. Fewer syllables. Just say Titan. Titan. Um, but it was just that, you know, it was considered part of their, you know, in terms of their operating procedures, it was considered normal to lose communication for a period of time with the Titan. Um, so they were not unduly worried were concerned when communication um, uh, was lost and they allowed eight hours to go by before reaching out. Um, by that time, uh, apparently, um, you know, uh, rescue efforts were immediately launched by the U.S., by Canada. I want to say Britain also. could Very possible. We're very, Britain's still, no matter, you know, uh, say what you want to say about Britain, um, still have a very strong Navy, still have very strong maritime operations. Um, well, I believe one people. of the, I believe one of the passengers was a UK citizen. So that would, that would make sense. I, are, are we still going to rank the, um, the victims? Um, we, we can, I didn't know when you wanted to do that. We could do that a little bit later. We're so, right. so, um, so it was just, you know, for just, uh, I would say, um, for three days and it was the, the countdown, the countdown of, um, how, uh, of their, uh, mm-hmm. remaining oxygen, right. That there were literal websites and there were, uh, news channels that literally had in, in, in the corner of the screen, like right about. 
right where it says file photo right, right there was a countdown of the remaining oxygen. So it was like 38 hours and you would just see it second by second clicking down that everybody was sitting there waiting um, to see if, if, if they were going to be located. Cause there was, a, there was a very strong theory um, about the possibility that they were just floating on top of the ocean. Right. Or that they were, or they were stuck um, attached to like the wreckage of, right. Of the Titanic itself or something else underwater and couldn't, uh, couldn't get loose. Now, the thing that I, you know, uh, during this period of time, it was just so wild was how, um, you know, oceanic experts, and there's a term for them. I don't know what they are, what they're called. We'll go um, ocean, ocean, oceanographers, perhaps. Oceanographers. Okay, that's a good word. That's a word. I'm good. Uh, oceanographers. Um, oceanographers. They um, immediately started bashing the structural um, uh, makeup of this um, of the Titan. You know, just immediately, it. You know, the the. Uh, you know, the articles, you know, the the interviews, the the analysis of how what a um, I, I, I dare say flimsy seemed to be, you know, kind of the consensus that, you know, uh, on other submersibles that are out there, you know, uh, across the world, that there are, um, you know, so many safety features that are built in. There are so many electronics that are controlling this thing. And. Then you look at the Titan. I know that it's a it's a it's a running joke at this point, and I certainly don't want to pile on. Um, but that this thing was being run by a um a, a PlayStation or an Xbox game controller. It, it was it was a Logitech uh, controller, and and you know and, and again hindsight being twenty twenty, and and obviously uh, this the OceanGate CEO Stockton Rush uh, won't really be able to regret his words now. But, he, you know, he he basically during an interview last year said, you know, we're we can we can get some off the shelf stuff like their ballast was discarded construction piping. And and they right. used, you know, they, they went to Camper's World and bought some things and they ordered the Logitech controller. But the hull, Brian, the hull they worked on with what NASA and University of Washington and all that. And like that's I believe I, that's, he also where, all the, going. that's yes. where all the technology went into. And um and also was the, the the beauty of the makeup of it was that the um, uh, the entry into the um, uh, the Titan was through a small hole that each person had to climb through. Right. But it was held together by about 17 um, screws that were then bolted in. Right. Um, that were literally like Home Depot strength. Not to knock Home Depot strength, but if I'm going 13,000 feet under, uh, 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 you know, in the water, I want some heavy duty stuff making making sure this thing is sealed. Right. And so apparently there were, you know, and now I, I consider myself a bit of a submersible hull expert, Brian. So you are. it appears that there were two big challenges with what they had designed here. First off, apparently, if you look at a number of other submersibles that go to depths of this level, um, you will see that they're usually round. They are usually circular in shape because it is easier to control the compression of the entire unit when it's, when it's a circle like that. Like I, I guess the force is equal all around of it. This was more cylindrical, obviously, sure. because this was a for-profit venture. So it was it was a cylinder so that they could fit four or five people in there. So mm -hmm. rather than 
you know, rather than having that compression all around you, you had this structure where the pressure on the top and the bottom and the sides was made it more challenging for that kind of development. And mm -hmm. then in mixing the carbon fibers with the, the titanium, most of these submersibles are just pure metal because number one, if you're just using the pure metal, it's more, it's stronger that way because you're not mixing it with something else, mm -hmm. but you can also test the metal after every trip. You can't test these carbon fibers. And a lot of people are saying that is probably what caused the, the issue is that, you know, this wasn't the first time this thing went down. They apparently have made, you know, numerous Multiple. successful yes. dives to the Titanic sure. before, but there was no way to um, test that hull to see if, if, if that carbon fiber, if the hull had been compromised in any way. Uh, mm. And as we said, you know, with, with it only taking a minuscule crack, you would never be able to really tell that. You know, they, they, right. they, they, and even, you know, James Cameron talking about it, like the problem with that is that you can't test it to see if it has degraded. You can test steel. There are ways you can test steel to see if the composite of it has degraded to the point where it's no longer safe with what they did. It may have been lighter. It may have been what they considered stronger, but it also had the issue of getting weaker each time it was used. Mm -hmm. What I, um, it's it's just wild to me, um, you know, and the thing is, is the fact of, you know, you, you know, a lot of people, you know, within that world have stepped forward this week saying that, you know, they had, you know, either, you know, been 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 approached to, um, you know, to go down, uh, you know, to 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 be a passenger on 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 the titan um you know some people had signed up uh you know and as they had gone out you know there was apparently in total was going to be an eight-day trip you know starting right. from you know when they were going to leave mainland canada um including their time to where the the boat was docked that would that would that would carry the titan um as well as you know going out into the ocean to, you know, with the grounds of where the Titanic had sank. And then it was supposed to be, I believe in, in total, an eight hour dive. Um, it was going to take what, like two, three hours to get down. You're going to be down there for another two, three hours, and then back up for two, three hours. I think it was pretty much the way it was going to break down. Um, but the number of people who have stepped forward to say, um, Oh yeah, we bailed at the last minute because it was having some, you know, technical difficulties right. because, you know, the weather was rough and, you know, they didn't think that it was a smart idea. We did go down, you know, we went halfway and then there was a problem when we came back up, you know, um, clearly the science with, uh, you know, I can, I, I can only speak to, you know, the stories, you know, you're hearing about the, um, uh, the ocean gate, but clearly this is, um, you know, not a tried and proven, uh, uh transportation. Well, there were there were a number of passengers who talked about the communication issue um, where they would lose communication during the trip. Um, there was actually audio of one of the trips where there was an issue because one of the thrusters had been installed backwards. Um, so it's, so it's like if that's the level of you know detail and and checking that's going on, like that does I guess it shouldn't be surprising at this point that something like this happened. But you have to give um, you've got to give some credit and I, you may not. You may sit there and completely disagree with me. But Stockton Rush, who was the founder and CEO of Ocean Gate Expositions, um, 
the company that um, owned the Titan, operated it, whatnot, that, um, you know, he was not sitting in his, uh, you know, fancy uh, home in, uh, you know, uh, you know, Silicon Valley, uh, you know, uh, drinking his thousand dollar wine while other people were putting their lives on the line going there. He was in that um, in that vessel. He was piloting it. You know, if you know, this was, uh, you know, up to a quarter million dollar fee for each person to, you know, for to spend these eight days. Um, I'm assuming that the food was not Michelin rated. <laughs> you know, I guess they could just bring, you know, power bars and and and, and water and whatnot. But uh, sure. but this this is the one thing. And, and, and Ali kind of touches on it, how, you know, they lobbied for for lower safety standards. Um, and then, you know, they you know, Stockton Rush would complain how all these safety checks, you know, uh, stifle creativity. But yeah, perfect point here. The moment that they realized there was an issue, well, let's let's call the government and have the government help us out. And there was even someone from from OceanGate who criticized the government where after they waited eight hours to contact the government, um, they were they were upset because they couldn't reach someone right away. Mind you, this was a Sunday night going into a federal holiday. Mm-hmm. And they had waited eight hours already. Correct. And then they're upset because the government just doesn't come to their aid right away. Well, I mean, there's there is a sense of um, there is a sense of uh, uh, comfort and security that the Coast Guard does um, project. Sure. And, in, and, you know, and in so many cases, as somebody who, um, you know, I watched I will be honest, I have watched a ludicrous number of episodes of the deadliest catch i i'm not going to pretend otherwise All right. it's it's you know uh, uh i do know quite a few of the uh you know at least for the first like 12 seasons i can name all the ships um the northwestern the maverick et cetera, et cetera. um but you know each episode you know each season they would have you know at least one episode and possibly, you know, um, you know, uh, they would be featured, but it would just be the efforts, uh, you know, they would follow the Coast Guard rescue teams um, who were based out, you know, in Alaska, waiting for, uh, you know, uh, mayday calls, waiting for, you know, calls from, uh, you know, the boats to sit there and say, hey, we've got a problem. Our engines aren't working. We're taking on water. There's a man overboard. Um, somebody needs medical attention. And the number, uh, you know, the the um, the way that the Coast Guard jumps into action um, is is just was impressive. I know, so I can understand to a certain extent the people at OceanGate sitting there thinking, "Well, we're going to make a phone call, and the Coast Guard are coming out." Yeah, they're just going to come know? and they're going to help us. But there's a big difference between a boat on the ocean with communication gear working. And, you know, a, uh, a 12 foot submersible that's um, not communicating and nobody has any idea where it is. Sure. And this is what this is what also, you know, uh, is interesting to me. And there was actually one of the uh, one of the anchors on MSNBC asked the question of one of the guests that she had on is trying to calculate, you know, what the cost of this rescue mission is going to end up being. Because, you know, even though it was a number of different countries, like at the end of the day, you know, the government somewhere is getting a bill for this. And is it going to be $10 million? Is it going to be $25 million? However much it is. And, you know, the the question she asked is, if this is a private venture, um, private citizens paying for a service from a private company, 
you know, at what point do you justify the amount of money being spent on, on an effort that, you know, at the end of the day, they, they were, you know, odds are they were dead the moment they lost communication and, and tracking. They knew the risks, Ron. They all sure. signed that waiver. They knew oh, no, exactly I'm not even how talking about that. Was. I'm like, what, what, what else could we have used that? Let's say it's $20 million. What else could we have used that $20 million for other than trying to rescue people that put themselves in a dangerous situation? Do you know how, how many missiles we could have sent over to the Ukraine? <laughs> a ton of them, Brian. Do you know that that $20 million we could have used as a, um, a, a tax savings to Amazon to open up a, um, a, a new uh, you know, distribution warehouse? That's in, what I'm saying, um, Brian. Arkansas, it gone, that, that $20 million could have trickled down to the top 1%, which would correct. have eventually ended up creating jobs. Hundred percent. We could have we could have given um uh we could have give used that twenty uh million dollars and given a uh you know a tax break to SpaceX you know for them to build a new launching facility in Texas um you know just said to them hey don't pay taxes on that plot of land that you just bought um here's twenty million dollars like there's so many better things we could have used with it right. Now, as we mentioned earlier, we didn't see a lot of sympathy from the general public. Oh, I mean, and again, I oh. have not I have not seen the online community unite around things <sighs> like they did this. Like I would have to go so back glorious. to I'd have to go so back to like glorious. Harambe. Like I think when Harambe was killed, everybody rallied around Harambe. I think these millionaires, uh, billionaires are the anti Harambe. Sure. Because everyone really just kind of rallied around their their suffering and death. What I, you know, it was, it was, you know, uh, Chris over here says the memes from this are outstanding. Oh, um, it was such a week of unification where you realize how many other people feel exactly the same way as you in terms of the class. I don't want to say the class war because there certainly is not a class war going on. And if there is, it's being won by the rich. But the number of average Americans who 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 took just the opportunity to ride the wave of exhilaration, laughing at the expense of five, we'll call them millionaires. You got, you know, it, it costs on average two hundred fifty thousand dollars to go down. So these are not poor people. Right. Um, uh, just knowing that these people, you know, there were jokes about, you know, like, you know, what was going to happen if somebody had to fart, um, you know, did it, you know, as these were, as these people were counting down their, their 96 hours of oxygen, did anybody decide that they wanted to, you know, masturbate one last time before they died? Um, what happened if somebody had to take a dump? Um, apparently, many, questions. The many, many questions, the bathroom, the bathroom facilities on this, on the Titan, apparently was just a plastic bag. And that you would um, yeah, a little uh, curtain use- that you pull aside. Oh, oh my goodness! But- and, and and okay, but now let's um, fast forward to I believe was it Friday or Thursday when um, it when when the um, uh, the debris field was discovered. It was Thursday. Okay, so Thursday morning was when the oxygen was going to um, uh, uh, expire. Right. So the right. countdown. Right. Everybody wakes up. Everyone wakes up on um, uh, on on Thursday morning. Not everybody. Some people like to sleep late on you know uh, until about eight forty five. Sure. Um, however, um, you know I, I, I'm up at like five forty five. 
ready, you know, to sit there, drink my coffee, um, watch some TV. Um, and then you've got, um, you know, we're all sitting there at seven o'clock. Everybody's just like, whoops, guess the oxygen's out. <laughs> They're all dead. And then um, to learn that they have discovered debris field, um, that there has been the discovery by, you know, the, um, you know, you, you mentioned the rescue effort, um, you know, the different uh, vessels that were in the water in that area, looking to see if they could locate this vessel, um, that they were able to find, you know, I guess it was three main pieces, which was right. the front cone, the, um, the back piece. And then there was, you know, kind of the, um, uh, that center cylinder that you mentioned earlier that they found all three pieces. I felt rather suspiciously quickly. Um, I know, you know, my brain immediately went to a place of, you know, how is it? It took a hundred years to find the Titanic, but they found <laughs> this thing in three days. Well, and this was the part that I found really interesting was that apparently the U S Navy has a sonar system in the Atlantic ocean to monitor um, submarine use that they were actually able to to register a you know a, a series of noises um, when you know going back when the Titan actually went into the water that they were able to um, you know they pretty much said that this noise was consistent with something imploding or exploding right like it was a loud noise what this wasn't a um, you know a, a whales humping. Um, or, 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 you know, uh, to quote uh, Hunt, for Bit, uh, Hunt for Red October, this was not a seismic anomaly. No. Um, and however, they kept their mouth shut for the three days while the rest of the world was sitting there trying to, you know, um, think about these poor people, you know, uh, uh, losing air. Um, apparently, the Navy was like, oh, yeah, they're dead. We're they're pretty sure gone. they're dead. Um, and what I thought was so imp uh, was, I guess, impressive was that through the technology they had, they were able to take these the sound um, effects that they were hearing from the different sonar buoys and triangulate pretty much where the noise was coming from. And they communicated that to the rescuers and said, hey, you should look here. Right. And that's how they were able to find this thing within four days. And just yeah, uh, again, and, I, and they say now that they didn't want to release the information of the noise they had heard because you know there's a noises are they very tough. The noises are very tough to disseminate uh, uh, under the water, and um, you know they want until they found the debris field. Um, can I tell you the 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 thing I heard about? Yeah, you know, and again, a lot of people talking about how implosion works, um, but Anderson Cooper had somebody on talking about it, and. Apparently, the speed in which that implosion occurred was 1,500 miles an hour. Jesus. Like, it happened It happened in such a in, a, in a fraction of a second. Sure. That the only good thing you can say is they never knew what happened. Because your brain cannot register the speed in which this would have happened to them. Would, do you think that they, so you're saying that, okay. I just want to recap this. Sure. Um, that a crack in the, what was it? Carbon uh, fiber? The hull. The hull. A the crack. Hull. Okay. <clears throat> so a crack in the hull, half the width of a human hair. Correct. Could have caused the, um, uh, the, uh, the uh, structure. Mm -hmm. It could have caused the structure to fail <laughs> and an implosion 
would have taken place at 1,500 miles an hour. Correct. It would have been a nanosecond that it would have collapsed. Sure. And they would have they been had, liquefied. They would have been liquefied instantly. They had they had no idea that it took place. No. Wow. Which again, as opposed to running out of oxygen uh, on the ocean floor, or even worse, floating on the top of the ocean and knowing that you're running out of oxygen, but there's 17 volts holding you in, I, I go with you know instantaneous death. Sure. This is this is this was in all honesty. Okay. I was going to say this was best case scenario, but mm, no, that would, that wouldn't age well. That would not, um, that would document very poorly if somebody were to quote me later on. Um, but accepting the reality that these people were dead, this right. was the best case scenario. Exactly. Now uh, we were kind of saying before there, there was a lack of sympathy, but we feel uh, it's our duty as podcasters to kind of mm -hmm. talk about out of the five are, were there people on the Titan that you might feel a little bit sympathetic about, you know, kind sure. of more, most sympathetic to least sympathetic. So let's take a look at who was uh, on this submersible. You've got Captain Hamish Harding, uh, Paul Henri Nargiolet, Stockton Rush, and then Shahzada Dawood and uh, Suleiman Dawood. Probably not pronouncing that last name. Well, so, okay. I'll let you start, Ron. Well, I, you know, I think, so who do you feel is the, who do you have the most sympathy for out of these five? I think, and this seems to be a universal approach, is that the, the most sympathy is going to Suleiman Dawood. Without a doubt. Um, the the, the 19-year-old son, um, who apparently was terrified to go on this thing, uh, but just went because his dad was apparently such sure. a uh, Titanic fan. A Titanic. He was 19, a business student at the University of Strathclyde in Glasgow, which is Scotland. And I know Glasgow is in Scotland because Roddy Roddy Piper was from um, Glasgow. So that's how I know that he was, um, that we were talking about it. Um, he had to be the most sympathetic. Apparently his aunt um, said that he had communicated to her that he was nervous about going on the trip with his father um, based on, you know, how experimental it was. But because it was Father's Day weekend. Yep. Um, you know, he he really wanted to spend it with his father. So therefore, that's why he went along. And this kid got crushed to death at a speed of 1500 miles an hour. So I think he starts off at your most. I would I would agree with you on that one. So we agree on most sympathetic. Number one. Let's jump Who to the bottom. Agree? Let's jump to the bottom. You're jumping to the bottom. I think I think we want to I think it's important for us to set the parameters and then kind of fill in the middle. Who do you feel is the least sympathetic out of this? group? I, I believe we have to go Stockton Rush. Mm. See, I was. I was thinking that I was, and I almost was going to put Stockton. I'm going with Shazada DeWood. And here's why. Number one, I think Stockton Rush honestly believed the work he was doing was good work. Like I feel he, I don't feel he, not that that makes any difference, but I don't think he was being devious about things, but Shazada no, he it, hold on, and I'm going to disagree with you. You can, he, you're more than he was cutting to. corners. He was cutting corners in every way, shape, and form. He was broadcasting it and telling people that most of the safety features that everybody else was adhering to was at, was was just lunacy, and and he didn't need any of it. And then he went out and he brought these four other people into the ocean with him on his experimental vehicle. But here's the thing. 
again, he had, it wasn't like this was the maiden voyage. He had, he had done this before he had gone down. I'm not saying he is, he is without reproach. I am just sure. saying, I don't put him as my least sympathetic. I put Shazada because he made a decision for he and his son to go down there, putting his wife in a situation to not only be a widow, but to lose her son at the very same time. Are you kidding me? Nope. I'm not her- kidding. Ron, he gave her the greatest gift known to mankind, which <laughs> is his, which is the inheritance. Um, I don't know how wealthy he was. If uh, according to you know the research that I did, he um, he was a member of one of Pakistan's wealthiest families. He was a, a British citizen, had a background in textiles and fertilizer manufacturing. You know who enjoyed fertilizers. Um, was Timothy McVeigh. <laughs> I was going to say the Oklahoma City bomber. Absolutely. Timothy McVeigh. Do you remember the name of the guy who um, uh, he was working with? Oh. They were brothers. Right, right, right. And I, I, I can remember. visualize him. Glasses. Yeah. yeah. Um, Terry sure McNichols. Terry, 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 Nick, Terry, Terry Nichols. Nichols. All right. Very good. Was it Mick Nichols or Terry Nichols? Oh, no. It was McVeigh. So it was Terry Nichols. Okay. Um, so he anyway, was. Anyway. Uh, so yeah. back on track here. So you're saying Stockton, least sympathetic. I'm going Shazada. Who would you put at number four then? Because I would then put Stockton right at number four. I've got Shazada Dawood as the second least um, uh, sympathetic because, um, uh, you know, he decided he wanted to do something that was incredibly risky. And he did not uh, um, uh, sit there and say, hey, you know, this is this is a decision each and every person needs to make on their own. Um, You know, son, I'll 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 see you when I come back. Um, he sat there and pressured his son to go along with him. All right. So we just basically have those two flipped around, but they're, 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 we're pretty close. We're at that point. Now we've got Harding and Nargiolet. Uh, so middle of the pack, I'm going Paul Henry. Just how come? Indi- just okay, you said, well, which way are you putting him your um, uh, second uh, uh, least sympathetic or are you putting him your uh, putting- second most sympathetic? Uh, Second least, uh, so I'm putting him like if I if we're I put him right above Stockton Rush. You put him right above Stockton Rush. So you're saying that he is not sympathetic. Well, I say he's more sympathetic. He's kind of in the middle, is what I'm saying. I, I've got I've got Stockton and Shazad okay. at the bottom. Obviously, Suleiman's number one. Sure. Okay. So you're putting Paul Henri number three or Correct. number two? I'm putting him number. You're three. putting him number three. See, I've got him number two on my list. Okay. And why is that? Well, that's because I believe um, he seemed to be genuinely a titanic, um, uh, 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 obsessed individual. Um, he had been down to the dive site, uh, to the uh, wreck site o- over 35 times. Um, he actually was uh, the director of underwater research for the RMS Titanic, which this part just made me weird, which was an American company that owned the salvage rights to the Titanic and displays many of the artifacts in the Titanic. So he pretty much had made the Titanic his life. Right. Um, he was not sitting there profiting off of other people. He was not, um, you know, necessarily a, thil- a thrill seeker, um, you know, in terms of the world. But the Titanic was his life. And he saw an opportunity. He was another opportunity for him to go down and see it. And he took advantage of it. I put him as the um, second least sympathetic person. See, and, 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 no, so, excuse I, me, second most sympathetic see, person. And that's why I put him in the middle. He's already, he had already gone 35 times. He was a little selfish. He was a Titanic hog, if you will. Ron, how many times have you been to the brewery that's um, right by the train station near you? 
a, a number of times. No okay, one, no you don't, so you're being selfish. You're being no selfish every time there. you go there. You're being selfish every time you go there because right. you just let somebody else sit at the bar. So that means uh, I'm putting Captain Hamish Harding as the second most sympathetic right below Suleiman. You're putting him in the middle. Correct. Um, and for a simple fact that this guy was a uh, thrill seeker, um, joyride. He was all about getting Guinness uh, World's Records. Um, uh, he held one for the longest time spent traversing the deepest part of the ocean on a single dive. Um, uh, he actually had already flown to space on a mission with uh, Jeff Bezos's Blue Origin um, rocket company. So here was a guy who literally was just a, um, a thrill seeker. Um, uh, an adrenaline junkie um, did not generate a lot of sympathy out of me. See, my only reason I get a little bit of sympathy is uh, when I saw his stepson at a Blink-182 concert and then also uh, messaging uh, OnlyFans models. Oh on my Twitter. God, that, so hold on, hold on. I never, I didn't put two and two together. So Harding's son-in-law was the one that was at the Blink-182 concert? <laughs> yes. His, oh my his, God. His stepson okay. was the Blink-182 kid. Okay, so late. How, how is it that fifty six minutes into this episode, we're 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 only now getting to talk about the kid <laughs> on Twitter, literally uh, commenting on thirst traps? Yeah, I think. Uh, hold on, we can we can take this photo down. So yeah, he is uh, Brian uh, Sazzy. I think. Ooh, he was sassy this week. Sazzy. Um, so uh, apparently there was uh, some online content creator uh, who goes under Lexia and she commented, hold on, I got to take the banner down real quick. Take so that can, banner down. You can kind of so, see it. But uh, she posts some- on Twitter yeah. and says, can I sit on you? And it's just a picture of her and like some lingerie. And he responds by saying, yes, please. And then follows that up with a comment that says, please pray for my family. Keep in mind when this man types, yes, please. With some like cutie face emoji, his stepfather is um, lost in the ocean. Right. They don't know whether um, he's alive or not. And this guy's on Twitter commenting on thirst traps. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, it's just genius. And now apparently he's taken his social media down. He's like, now now I guess he feels bad. Um, well, he, he took it down because he was just um, uh, publicly humiliated. Um, <laughs> well, there, there prior to this, prior to this post where he said, yes, please, um, he, he he shared a photo that was taken of him um, outside of a Blink-182 concert where he was standing near the merch tent for some reason with a sign saying, um, you know, uh, you know, it's a tough time for my family, but they would have wanted me to go to this concert. Now, that also then led to another interesting line of conversation online as to what concerts would be acceptable to have to attend if your if a family member was, you know, missing and possibly presumed dead. Listen, the day that my dad died, I didn't I canceled on a concert. I was supposed to go to a concert that afternoon and um, I could have gone and said, listen, you know, he's he's not going to wake up. He won't know yeah. that I'm going to the concert um, and visited him after, you know, gone to the concert. And, but no. But this was was a legitimate line. I did the right thing, Ron. This was a line of of conversation people were having, like, you know, all right, uh, Taylor Swift, all right, you'd have to go to that concert. Like, no one was like, hey, you got to go to a Blink-182 concert. I I think people agreed, like, Taylor Swift, uh, Beyonce, maybe Bruce Springsteen, like that level concert, it would be okay to go to if you had tickets and your, and your, your stepfather was lost in the ocean. But if you are a pop punk fan 
And Blink-182 was your favorite band, which my understanding is um, the case with this guy. Um, and, um, you know, they they broke up 20 years ago or 15 or whatever the fuck it was. Nobody cares. Um, well, obviously, this guy cares. So what am I right. rambling on for? Um, and now suddenly they're playing San Diego or wherever he lives. Um, yeah, this is a big deal for him. Well, I feel, A... He'd be able to get Blink-182 tickets at any city that they're performing in. And sure. B, if you're the stepson of a billionaire, you probably can hop on a plane and go to their next tour date. You know, And especially now you've pr- probably got a windfall coming in because stepdad is under the ocean somewhere. Well, I mean, based on the 1,500 um, mile per hour speed that that carbon fiber is just being um, you know, uh, crushed together, um, I'm going to say that his father's really nowhere. That's that's the crazy. And also the temperature uh, change, apparently, like it gets as hot as the surface of the sun because of how fast that uh, that implosion happened. So even anything was left was was probably just burned up at that point, too. But they found the pieces, I mean, meaning um, any uh, um, any human remains, uh, a carbon based, any carbon yeah, any based. Human um, yeah. Well, I thought I did give a lot of credit to the um, Coast Guard representative that was in charge of the press conference because he, he had such a great line in um, in the the when he, they were announcing that they had found the debris and uh, some news reporter sat there and said, you know, uh, you know, what is the likelihood of us finding some, you know, the, the remains of the passengers? And he said something about the along the lines of, um, you know, this was a, a catastrophic event and, you know, the water is um, uh, not very forgiving you know, in terms of the conditions down there. Right. Um, and they tried to ask a, a question, the same question, just slightly different. And he answered it exactly the yeah. same way, yeah. which was just, you know, it, I thought it was a very proper way to say, um, shut the fuck up without having to use those exact words. Right. Now, a little uh, tidbit I learned, Brian, water a thousand times as dense as air. Just a random piece of information. That's why GPS doesn't work underwater, by the way. Why? Because water is dense? Because of the density of water, correct. Oh, but then how do they, but they use something down there to locate things. They use sonar, yes. Oh, so sonar is they they send a sound and when it bounces back, they can figure out the distance from the speed that it's traveling at. Exactly. When I tell you I learned so much this week, Brian. Now, where were you learning it? I was learning it in the mainstream media. So maybe I need to question everything I've learned. No, not, listen, I think that you, um, you know, just just like everything else, um, you know, if you're trying to learn something, um, use multiple sources. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, be skeptical, be skeptical of certain things, but understand that there are genuine experts on things. You know, a oceanographer is going to know a lot more about, you know, the um, bottom of the ocean than um, than my UPS driver. You know, I'm still going to listen to the UPS driver, but, you know, I I think one of the things that we've lost in America is the um, understanding that there are experts on things and that when they speak, you know, they speak from a place of knowledge and not just from a, you know, a place of emotion. Well, we uh, we we've we've really done a deep I'm not going to say a deep dive. We've really gone sure. uh, into sure. this story a lot. We didn't even get a chance, and, and Ali touched on this here uh, about the uh, the insurgency or civil war in uh, in in Russia that seems to already have played out. It's over. It, it literally was 12 hours, and it was an exciting 12 hours. People, um, yesterday, 
the head of the uh, Wagner Group, which was the um, paid mercenaries that Putin is, has been using as his personal army throughout the world, um, uh, turned on the Russian military, um, actually, uh, you know, uh, sent their troops from Ukraine, from the front lines, turned them around and started driving into Russia, were able to take over um, two main towns, um, two main territories, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not only um, uh, receiving no resistance from the Russian military or the Russian police or whatnot, but actually seem to be um, but actually seem to be uh, being embraced by the Russian population. And then out of nowhere, you know, keep in mind, this thing had me enthralled well, yesterday and they were, morning in front and of the And they television. were apparently rolling up towards Moscow at one point. They were 200 kilometers outside of Moscow out yeah. of a 12. My understanding was that it was like they were 800, 800 kilometers when they started and they got to about 200 when suddenly they announced that they were going to stop. Um, uh, you know, Ali made a comment earlier about, um, you know, why aren't we talking more about this? I think there's a lot more that's going to be coming out. Um, you know, I, I still think it has not been fully revealed or discussed as to why Brigosian, um would suddenly um, announce that, um, you know, he's no longer angry at the Russian uh, military. Um, he has accepted um, uh, exile to Belarus. This is a man who is a billionaire. Who right. was uh, a nickname? You know, he literally had uh, you know a billion dollar um, catering uh, contract with the Russian government. Um, he then uh, went on to lead his own private army um, that was being funded by the Russian uh, government. And then suddenly, within twenty four hours, he accepts that um, he's basically going to give all of this up and um, go go into hiding in um, in Belarus. Um, a lot of this just. Um, there's there's just too much that that we don't know about to really be able to speak um, from a position of uh, knowledge. So uh, I think Ron and I we kind of said there's really not much to talk about. I mean, it was, next it was an enthralling day. I I hope that in the next week more comes out as to why he stopped. I mean, he has been um, quite vocal over the past you know weeks about the lack of support that he is receiving from the Russian military, the lack of arms he's receiving, the lack of um, uh, other supplies, food, whatnot for, you know, they put the Wagner group, you know, on the front lines. They, they were probably having the most success um, in the Ukrainian war um, that Russia was uh, experiencing. And, um, you know, he really had, you know, sat there and become quite vocal about the failure the, of the Russian military. Um, and then he said that he had been attacked by the Russian military. And that's when he launched, um, you know, this march into Russia. Um, just doesn't make sense that he would give up out of nowhere. But I don't know enough to sit there and, you know, um, to, to say it's this or that. And I certainly am not going to jump on, on the plethora of conspiracy theories I've seen so far. Well, and again, we, you know, we put Matt on the uh, Ron and Ryan podcast, private jet. He is uh, on his way over to Belarus and uh, he's going to get us that information and we'll talk about it uh, next week. Next week. Uh, but the uh, I think the only thing uh, more tense in the situation in Russia right now, Brian, is finding out, can any of our Patreon listeners beat me tonight in a game of wits. And we're going to find out, Brian, after dark. That's right. It is time sure. for our monthly pajama party. And can you beat Ron? Brian, you have put together a list of 10 questions um, sure. where our uh, our our uh, subscribers will come on. They will. I, I lost uh, two months ago. You lost sure. last month. I need Janelle's been get... on a run. Janelle has been on a run. Without William Esquire, quiet. 
Ali, respectable, but Janelle's been on a run of late um, beating us. Um, there's a lot of pressure on you right now. There is. Um, it is June. Um, this is our June edition of Can You Beat Ron? Um, there's a lot goes on in the month of June. So, uh, you know, we, we, we always make sure that it's somewhat timely. Um, but, you know, our After Dark Pajama Party is always a special time. Last Sunday of every month, we invite our, our, our Patreons on. But even if you can't come on, Sign up for the Patreon. Um, as little as $5 a month, um, you get access to um, uh, additional content. You get the audio file every week. We do, right after this show, we jump on over to Patreon. Um, we go behind the pie, the paywall. Piewall. We go behind the paywall. Um, these are stories that um, uh, YouTube was uh, not wouldn't necessarily find family-friendly. We get talk about things. It. We talk about things Zuckerberg and Papa Zuck wouldn't want us to talk about on Facebook. Um, Twitch would be twitching. Um, but we go behind the paywall. But it's also a way for you to help us offset some of the costs for this show. Um, you know, we, we've always said, listen, if you are in a war zone, if you are in a third world country being bombed by the Saudi um, uh, Arabian jets, if you are in a submersible going down into the water, you should have free Ron and Brian podcast content. Um, it's for everyone. It's for the world. Um, but there is a way, you know, this show is not free. There are costs that Ron and That's I um, incur. Um, we do have to pay for Matt. Matt's rehab costs a lot of money, people. Um you know, certainly Ron and I would be in mansions if it weren't for Matt. But you know what? We don't hold it back against him because we support those who need our help. Right. Um, and, and and along those lines, when, um, you know, when Ron and I say, hey, here's a way that, you know, you can get more value out of the show um, for $10 a month, which really two cups of coffee, not a lot. You get a um, a, a, a link Every Sunday that allows you to watch live the show we do, you get the video content of our After Dark. Um, and then there are other tiers which um, earn you some swag, some tote bags, sweatshirts, this lovely coffee mug, which I use every week. Been drinking out of this for over two years. Not even a ding or a dent. I mean, the quality of this stuff. It's good stuff. Top notch. Yeah, absolutely top notch. All right. Well, don't forget you. your Brian stickers. That's right. First batch already sold out. We will be bringing back um, uh, batch number two of the Brian stickers. Um, these things are perfect. You're going to be seeing them all over the place, people. Well, thank you for joining us. This has been a, a submersible heavy episode. We'll get back sure. to our more traditional uh, I guess content next week. Sure. Um, again, unless we find out something um you know, just shocking about the submersible. I did. You did share that one TikTok with me that someone implied that they knew that they were in trouble because they had knocked the ballast off sure. or were trying. But I haven't seen anything additional uh, since then, uh, stating that um, they they may have been aware of the danger that they were in. You hope that they weren't. And honestly, you hope like we're hey, hey, listen. We rank them in terms of their 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 sympathy um, factor. Um, truth of the matter is. Um, considering the fact that these five people's lives were um, were lost this past week, um, I think we can all just say that we hope they died instantaneously and had no idea. There you go. All right. Anything else before we uh, roll on out of here and get ready for After Dark? Not at all. I just want to say I thank everybody who has watched this show, joined us live, as well as those who are going to watch um, throughout the week. 
Um, it's a fun place to watch live. I, we, we, we get a kick out of the comments, um, uh, the interaction, the community we got going on over there. But um, that doesn't make you any less of, of a fan um, for watching or listening later on in the week. All right. Well, we appreciate you all tuning in after dark, folks. We will see you in a little bit for the pajama party. Everybody else, we will see you next week. Thank you for joining us on the Ron and Brian podcast. We're live each week on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. You can find prior episodes, links to our social media, and everything else Ron and Brian at ronandbrianpodcast.com. See you again next week.